This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Well, hey guys, it's Haley Williams, the host of Kindled Podcast. Today, we're going to be hearing from a friend of mine named Jamie McLaughlin, and Jamie has a really cool story. She quit her full-time job to become an entrepreneur and pursue a passive income career by teaching other women everything she knew about self-care. Right up front, I have to say, self-care is one of those things that I struggle with because I equate it with self-love which is not really what it is, but it's kind of how I've always felt about that term. But really what Jamie and I are talking about today is abandoning the mom guilt that says that we don't deserve to take care of ourselves or shouldn't really worry about what we are putting in our bodies or taking mental breaks or doing anything for ourselves. Those things that can sound like selfless acts, but often are really more of a a, about us creating an opportunity or a situation where we can pity ourselves and really just be stuck and unhealthy in our both our mindset and even our physical bodies and then not be able to serve our family as well as we actually should be. So that's what this episode is all about today. Couple announcements before we get started with today's show. I'm still accepting sponsors for the last half of the year. So if you have a business that you think might appeal to this audience of women, then send me an email and I will give you the advertising media kit, which gives you all of our rates. My email is Haley at kindledpodcast.com, H-A-L-E-Y at kindledpodcast.com. And you can purchase one ad, one spot on a single episode, or you can even do a multi-episode bundle of four ads on four different episodes spread out as frequently or as infrequently as you would like. So as you have probably heard before, your brand needs to get in front of your ideal customer more than one time for them to usually take action. So I always recommend the multi-episode bundle, but if you just want to get your feet wet with an ad or two and see what happens, I'd be happy to work with you on either of those. So again, email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com if you want more information on that. Jamie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them who you are and what you do. My name is Jamie McLaughlin. I am a mom of four beautiful babies. My husband and I and my kids just recently moved to Dallas, Texas, Um, and I run an online business. I'm essentially like a lifestyle coach and a self-care advocate for women, specifically for moms. And so I teach women how to pull away from burnout and leave that survival mode and kind of really step into the full abundant motherhood. And we really like to dig deep into some, some hard issues, but we also do fun stuff too. And I teach women how to do makeup and beauty. Um, I was a hair and makeup artist for 14 years. And that was awesome because I got to work one-on-one with women for years and years and years on their weddings. And it just was this awesome thing that turned into something I never thought it would. So yeah. Wow. How, what's the range of age of your kids? 
So I have an 11 year old girl. I have an eight year old boy. I have a three and a half year old little girl. And then I have an almost two year old little girl. Okay. So three girls, one boy. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Oh man. That's so fun. Was your boy, wait, your girl was your last one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We thought she, we thought she was going to be a boy and okay. she, like, I was like hundred percent convinced she was a oh. boy and she came out a girl and it took me a couple of days. I was like, who, no. <laughs> oh, so you didn't find out until she was we, born. Right. The last two, we didn't find out. And we like literally were dead set. Like I knew it was such a different pregnancy. I knew it was a boy and she came out. Oh a girl. my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I do not have the patience. I know like it's, it's a very personal decision not to find out, but I just, I could never like go that long without knowing. Um, even this is my third pregnancy and I'm doing November with my third girl. And I took this at home gender test at 12 weeks. Cause I was like, I need to know. You know? So <laughs> the first two, the first two, I was like that I had different situations. The first two kids, I was actually my first, I was 18 when I had her. So I had to know, cause I just needed to prepare everything that I could. Yeah. And then baby number two, I found out, um, kind of similar reasons. And then baby number three and four are with my current husband now. And he was like really dead set on it. He wanted to have that surprise. And so I kind of respected that at first, but then it was really cool. That like moment of birth yeah, I know. was really special. But if I had to do it again, if we had another baby, yeah. I would find another gender. <laughs> oh my gosh. No yeah, I, I have been, I have friends that have done that and waited. And I, I'm just like, that's gotta be the most amazing. Yeah. Cause like that moment of having your, your baby put in your arms is the most amazing that I've yeah. probably ever experienced in my life. And then on top of that being like, Oh my gosh, I know what you are now. Like, it's just so yeah, crazy. It is. It's, it's so cool, but it's, uh, it's wouldn't, wouldn't do it again. I think I was like, oh, it sounds terrible, but I was a little bit disappointed when she was a girl the last time because yeah. I had my heart set on a boy. Mm-hmm. That was hard for me. So I'm like, no more surprises. If we have another one, I will find out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I uh, found out this was a girl. And so, you know, three girls and I kind of thought, maybe, you know, that it's probably a boy. Cause I have two girls. Like, you know, just, you, you think there should be balance or something or that's, yeah. what, that's what our family needs. We need less, less estrogen around here. And yeah, that's not what God had in mind and that's not his plan for us. So it, it took me some time to kind of just readjust my expectations mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, this isn't bad. I'm not disappointed. Right. It's just, I had something else in, I was envisioning something else. And for sure. Yeah. And if I can just say boys are not always easier. That's such a lie. My boy is so much harder than all of my girls. He's so emotional. Really? So don't oh. believe that lie that, that boys are easier than girls. Cause it's not true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. And I have friends with boys and you know, they're, they're all very different. So it's like, yeah. you, you, can, you totally can't say, well, every boy is just going to be this wild animal or every boy is super gentle and, and docile because I do have friends with boys like that, but then I have yeah. friends with boys that are a lot more high energy. So, you know, it's, it's just, they're all their own people really. We just have that. Yeah, totally. Okay. So that's so fun that you have four kids and somehow you're still running a business. <laughs> I would love, before we get into what you do though, you mentioned that you had your first daughter at 18. Can you kind of mm-hmm. tell us about that story and what, what did that look like? Yeah. So I, growing up, I did not get along really well. I lived with my mom and my stepdad. My stepdad has been in my life since I was three. Um, and I didn't get along really well with them. We just had completely different personalities, different priorities. And that was hard for them in their mind. I was very rebellious in my mind. I was working two jobs and I just had different priorities. I was not partying. I just had different priorities than they did. And so that was hard. We clashed a lot. And so uh, at midnight on my 18th birthday, I had my truck all packed up and I moved out like literally 
literally when the clock Mm -hmm. struck midnight, I was gone. I had already had an apartment lined up. I was just ready to be done. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was dating somebody and we, I mean, I was 18 and the smartest human alive when you're 18, right? So naturally Mm -hmm. you move in with your boyfriend. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So we moved in together. A few months later, we found out we were pregnant and we stayed together during the pregnancy, had her. And then there, I mean, I kind of knew right from the get go that this wasn't gonna work mm-hmm. and so we ended up separating when she was two months old and we had a rough I would say a little bit but for the most part we both knew that we were just really young and just made some different choices and so he's still in her life and we get along really really well he actually lives in Arizona we live here but we have a really good relationship and he has an awesome relationship with my husband but we were just so young and just yeah not, not very smart <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we both know that. And so we get along fine, but it definitely was hard because the first year and a half of her life, he wasn't in a good place. And for her safety, I essentially, you know, just kind of let him do his thing and just said, pop in when you're, when you need to, you know, I've Mm -hmm. got her, but that meant that I took the blunt of the parenting. And so I didn't have any family in town shortly after I turned 18 and left my family actually moved out of state. So I was raising a baby. I was by myself. I had um, not much family in town. Didn't have like my mom. When you raise a baby, Mm -hmm. I feel like having like your mom or your parents or your siblings around, it's just different. I didn't have that. So it was really, really hard at first, but thankfully I did hair and makeup for weddings. And so I was able to keep the baby with me all the time. And just, I even brought her to events, which was awesome. Yeah. And then when I was 21, I think I started dating one of my really good friends from high school and we dated for a while and we were kind of on that track, that road to marriage, but still I was a believer at that time, but hadn't fully surrendered at that, at that time yet. And we found out we were pregnant and he actually asked me to have an abortion. Mm. Him and his whole family were like, this is a terrible idea. You can't take care of a baby. Like, this is so stupid. You need to have an abortion. And I obviously decided I I was not doing that. So we went our separate ways, went the whole pregnancy by myself, had Mm. the birth by myself, had another baby by myself. So there were, you know, obviously I'm glazing over the surface. There were lots and lots and lots of struggles, but God kind of really, really took a hold of me during that second pregnancy. and was like, we're doing this together. I'm your man. (laughs) And so that was awesome. He just gave me this like overwhelming sense of like love and contentment and we're going to be okay. And it was like the most magical pregnancy and birth and delivery and postpartum I think I've ever had. And I, it's only because the Lord like really took a hold of my heart and my mind and was like, we've got this, we're good. And then six months later, I met my husband, which I was not wanting. I was like anti, like, I'm good. I've got Jesus. I don't need anybody. And obviously that's usually when it happens. So my husband kind of jumped in and fell in love with the kids, I think, before he fell in love with me. (laughs) That's convenient. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was just like, from the get-go, you have to know I have kids. This is the situation. You're Mm going to know them from day one because if you don't vibe with them, you know, you're gone. Yeah. And instantly he was like, yeah, no, these are my kids. They're mine. (laughs) That is so amazing. I mean, I got chills when you were talking about your pregnancy. When your boyfriend at the time, the second you know, the dad of your second, I can't imagine like being the situation you were in facing being a single mother of two. Like I would have to imagine that abortion sounded like a reasonable option. Never. No, it didn't. You weren't, it was just like absolutely never, literally never in a million years. I think that 
and honestly, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised in an atheist home or anything. Like we went to church on Christmas and Easter, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I was not raised like with those core beliefs. I literally did not have a good understanding or foundation. I still was going to church consistently at that time, but it wasn't like my, I was anchored like I am now. Mm But honestly, it was the Holy Spirit interceding on my behalf, literally not even allowing that thought to cross my mind that when that option was presented to me, it was like that it was like almost comical that that was even a conversation. And I was Mm -hmm. like, if you think I'm selfish for keeping a baby, you guys must actually be insane. Like I'm good without you. And so they were out of the picture, but actually three weeks after I had my son, I got court documents and he was fighting me for joint custody. Mm. So for four years, we fought in court for just, just, it was just really hard. He ended up giving his parental rights away and my husband adopted him, but it was very hard and very challenging. And I would say the most challenging part wasn't the pregnancy, wasn't facing them pressuring me to abort. It wasn't any of that. It was the hard part was going through the court process. I was so angry with God because I was like, you told me we were going to be okay. Mm. You told me, you made me believe that I could do this and I can't do this. Like I can't pay for these attorneys. I can't keep standing up in court. Like I, I physically can't handle this anymore. And it was like the moment that I just released it and said, yeah, you're right. I can't do this. You've got to do it. I'm done fighting. You've got to fight the fight for me. Cause you're the one that said, like, I literally was like pointing at him. Like you said, I'd be okay. You take care of it. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And the moment I did that is when this, this whole shift just completely happened. And he stepped away and allowed my husband to adopt my son. And now things are wow. much better with that situation. Not how it was. Oh my gosh. That's, I mean, it's really nothing short of a miracle. And I don't think anybody would fault you for having that thought, but just the fact that you even didn't, what is, is really a miracle yeah, and evidence of God really stepping in where, where you needed him to. Absolutely. There's no, there's absolutely no way. I mean, people ask me all the time, how did you even do that? I literally don't even have an answer other than Jesus. Like I literally don't like he was my anchor. He was like my sanity. He was my provider. And so now when people are like, don't do you doubt, do you doubt or do you? I'm like, nope, (laughs) without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I know that the Lord is so freaking good. He's so good. Yeah. And sometimes it takes those, like, I mean, maybe always it takes those really, really tough very uncomfortable situations in our lives or problems or things that we're up against that feel like insurmountable mm-hmm. to even see that because when we're good, we're fine. Like we don't really need God to be amazing because we're fine. Yeah. We're good. We're amazing. You know? Yeah. Um, I feel like those times in my life have been the times when I am the most just amazed at who he is and what he does for me. Totally. And I think that one thing that this experience has given me too is the ability to also see him during those good times too, which I feel so freaking thankful because before that's not how it was before I would cling to him only in the bad times and the good times I would forget. And for some reason after that situation happened and he had given my son up every single good moment that we have, every single holiday that we are together, I am praising God through every, because I know how different it could look. I know the fight that we could still be having. And he's just given me this ability to just literally see him in every single moment. And it's the most sacred, magical, amazing gift ever. That's so amazing. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So 
we might come back to that, but I would like for you to kind of explain now, like what does work look like for you with, you have four kids. I mean, that's yeah. a lot, <laughs> juggling a lot of humans. I mean, it is. and you're an entrepreneur. So I would imagine you're kind of piecing together. Like what's the childcare look like? How do you work? How does all of that work? Yeah. So I honestly have only known entrepreneurship. I, again, didn't really have an option at the beginning, which turns out to be an amazing blessing, but I had my business. I worked for myself as a hair and makeup artist for so long. And so that part of like the not being able to predict anything, that part I'm so used to the part that we were struggling with. So we recently moved my husband and I, my husband is from England. And so he has no family or friends back in Arizona other than one one or two friends. And then my family just kind of broke apart. Like my mom and my stepdad and my two younger sisters moved to a different state. My aunts and uncles moved away. My grandparents split up and moved away. And so I went from like growing up and having family and friends and cousins all around to like literally having nothing. And so for the past few years living in Arizona, it was like, what is this life? Like, I don't know how to function. Like I don't have help. I don't have people like we don't have a support system. And so we had the opportunity to move to Texas and my mom and stepdad were, were, had moved here for his job. And so we were like, you know what? My sisters were going to move here. Like we were all going to kind of migrate back to the same place, raise our families together. And so we moved out, we left Arizona, moved out here for that specific reason. So we could have help with the kids. My husband was working full time. I was doing the business. We had the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And a month after we moved here, my mom and stepdad got transferred and ended up leaving. And so we're in Arizona, we have nobody. And so that was really hard at first because we were like, there's no way that we can continue doing what we're doing and still have the quality of life that we want for our children and still kind of hold true to our values. Like we were very short fused. We were just really grumpy. Our marriage was suffering. Our kids were suffering. My son broke his arm. Like it was just a mess. And so we came to the place where we were like, my husband's miserable on his job and I'm not, I love my job. Like it sets me on fire and it's not even the beauty aspect. Although I love, I love beauty and I love makeup and I love that whole aspect, but I love coaching women and I love helping women. And that just sets me on fire and feels like this is just where he's, he's brought me through all these experiences for this specific spot to coach women through some really hard seasons in life. And so we decided that my husband would quit his job. Um, and it was a really big step of faith, kind of understanding that the Lord again is our provider, not a paycheck, not my husband, not this, not that, but that if we were walking in his will, that he would provide for us. And he has mm-hmm. so far. Um, and that was back in October. So my wow. husband is home full time and he stays with the kids and kind of runs the kids around. I work from home for the most part. A lot of times I'll go out because I'm more effective when I'm not listening mm-hmm. to my children. <laughs> yeah, me too. And so, yeah, so we have our schedule set up really nice. So Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, I'm either out of the house or working from home. And then Wednesdays are my day off and my day with the little girls. Cause the girls are still home and I still want that time. And then Saturdays and Sundays are family days and rest days and chill days. So it works really great. Honestly, it's, I have a pretty structured schedule to where it's like a, mm-hmm. I say nine to five, but with lots of flexibility on four days a week and it works really well. And I've got team members that help me do the, the behind the scenes stuff, which I couldn't do this alone. Wow. So there's lot, there's lots of hands in the pot Yeah, with people helping. What is the, the work exactly that you do? 
Okay. So it started out. So I, and this is all very recent. So last year, what year are we in right now? 2019. So back in 2018, a little bit before 2018 started. So in 2017, I quit doing hair and makeup. I just couldn't do it anymore. Again, it was going back to like, I was miserable. I was stressed. It was really difficult to leave the house. I had four kids, like it was too much. And I'm like, I have to be able to make a passive income where I'm still at home and I can reach more women than I am now. So when I was doing hair and makeup, it really was about hair and makeup. And as most people know, when you get your hair done, your hairstylist is like your therapist, right? Like you're talking through, you're like spilling the beans on everything. That's what my life was. And so I found for those 14 years that I wasn't, let's just say on a wedding day, they knew I was a believer. They knew I was Christian. And when they're wigging out and stressing out, and I was the one standing right in front of them in those stressful moments, they would just look at me with tears welled in their eyes. And they were like, I need you to help me. Like, I'm going to lose it. And so there were so many times where I would pray with my brides. I would just kind of re-anchor themselves to like, okay, no one cares about your centerpieces. This is about your marriage, you know? And there were all these ways that I was coaching women in so many different ways other than makeup. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's really where my heart was and what I loved about doing it. So now what I do is I started through beauty. So I started through just making a beauty course and that was kind of my door into the online e-commerce stuff. So I did an online course um, that was essentially all of my knowledge as a hair and makeup artist into a course. So anything you would ever be able to ask a hair and makeup artist is in this course with hair and with makeup. I have a whole guide with like all of the products that I recommend, not because someone paid me to recommend them, but because I've used them for 10 years. What brushes to use, how to use it, how to clean your brushes, how to get your makeup to last, you know, all of these questions that a lot of people have. I put in a course um, and that's where all of this started. And then I realized it was a big gap. And so I started doing a self-care challenge, which is going to be a course here in the next couple of months. And with that self-care challenge, I realized that we need to do a lot more heart work. There's a reason why women don't value getting themselves ready. And so we do a lot of heart work, mindset work, kind of breaking through that mom guilt, breaking through the lies that we've believed as a mom that we have to abandon ourselves. We go through the basics of feeding yourself nutritious foods, taking care of yourself, having those mental breaks. So there's all these key areas of self-care that we focus on in this 30 day challenge. And it, these women have like breakthroughs coming out of it. They're like, I just, you know, never believed. I never knew that I believed all these lies and can't believe that I've gone this long abandoning myself. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that and it's just, it's normal. It's just maybe all they know, or they saw their mom do it and they just kind of think that's what motherhood is, is you don't, there's no time for you. Like you're on the back burner. You're nothing, you know, you're not important. Like your needs get met last. And and while some of that is actually true in Mm -hmm. reality, yes. Like if someone's hungry, me or my two-year-old, who's going to get to eat first, you know? Exactly. Right. But, and you brought up this term self-care, which I want to, I want to dive into that because we, we were talking before we started recording, we both like, well, I told you I struggle with that term. I don't mm-hmm. like that yep. term because yep. of how it is put forward in by culture and by companies Absolutely. and by influencers to tell me that what I need to feel better is to go and like splurge on this sale of these hair products, like right. not self-care. And so can you kind of talk about what do you mean by self-care? What does that mean to you and how do you look at it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I actually don't like the term self-care either. It's really difficult for me to actually have a self-care course or a self-care challenge and say that I'm an advocate for it because the perception of self-care is so skewed right now. It's so distorted. It's, it's so frustrating to be in this realm, actually working with women and their hearts and their minds, and then to see society and the way that companies are pushing self-care. So right now, self-care is pushed by a lot of companies for consumers to consume. So to purchase the products, number one, and number two, it's a very, very reactive decision that they're pushing. So they're saying like, Hey, you had a bad day, go take a bath and eat some ice cream, Netflix and chill, or like treat yourself or go have that Snickers bar. Or like, it's just pushing being reactive and it's pushing consumerism and it's pushing escapism rather than talking about proactive choices that we can make regularly in our days and our schedules to protect ourselves in those times of stress. Mm. Self-care is literally being proactive and being smart with your decisions. And self-care looks different for all different people. So it could mean really sitting down and time blocking your day so that you know that you have certain things protected to avoid those levels of stress or confusion or fights with the family or whatever it is. It's Mm -hmm. maybe meal planning. So you know that you're going to be able to eat meals regularly that are healthy. Maybe it is getting your nails done because that actually is what makes you feel confident and good, right? There are all these different levels of self-care. And we, we kind of, in my courses, we talk about these and we just talk about the different levels and why all of them, most of them are appropriate for the most part at a certain point, you've got those vital levels of self-care, like going to the doctor, getting your yearly exam, going to the dentist. There's those levels of daily self-care where it's drinking water, actually moving your body, not as a punishment for what you ate or what your body looks like, but moving your body because you truly love it and you honor that it's keeping you alive and it's giving you the ability to raise your babies and experience these amazing things. Self-care is so much deeper than society is pushing it. And it is so frustrating being in this realm because it's not bath bombs. Yeah, that's fun every once in a while, but that's not what self-care is. And it's such a disappointing misconception of what true self-care is. And it confuses people on the power of knowing what it is and actually implementing it because they think that it's secondary and that it's not vital when it actually is actual self-care is vital in order for you to sustain a lifestyle, not get burnt out. It makes sense too why why we never we will never have enough of that secondary reactionary self care because you're not actually dealing with the source of your problems which might be an overbooked schedule or saying yes to too many things or absolutely not managing your time or not eating well or not sleeping well or or any of the things that you know should be ultimate priorities and and you said earlier you mentioned like of course there are seasons where you are just in survival totally. mode like when you have a new baby or when there's a big life transition, like that is just reality and it's okay. And it's, you're not doing anything wrong or you didn't fail. It's just, that's a season, but it shouldn't be your forever, you know? Exactly. And we know that for those of us with kids, like you've been in that newborn season and you know, after four to six weeks, it starts to kind of get a little easier. It gets a little better and things start to just normalize again. And, but I think it, it just, it points out why the world will never have enough of that type of self-care because it doesn't satisfy and it isn't actually scratching Mm -hmm. 
what is itching for them. And and that's the problem, but it's also why it's the perfect marketing campaign for every company out there. Cause you'll never have enough, you know, it's just just one more, one more, absolutely. Absolutely. If that's the approach that you take, if that's the approach that people are receiving and actually implementing, they will have a customer forever because you will never fill yourself up with reactive decisions like that. You will always end up in that same exact place unless you fix the root problem and the root problem and fixing that, that is self-care. Everything Mm -hmm. else is a treat. That's just cool. That's just exciting. If my life is good and dandy and I've got meals planned and everything's ready, like self-care Sunday for me, that's like my extra, extra self-care. And that's like my treat that just completely fills me over the top so that on Monday morning, I'm not only ready and prepared, but I'm like happy and excited and like, pampered, right? Like there are those times where those things are good, but for the most part, again, if you don't fix the root issue of why you're eating ice cream at night and sucking down wine and escaping in Netflix, you're always going to end up escaping in Netflix and sucking wine down. You're not fixing the root issue. And that's just so frustrating being in this realm and and trying to tell people they need to implement self-care and then try to differentiate and say, but not that kind. (laughs) We're going to do real stuff. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to let you know about the sponsor for today's episode, and that is PrepDish. If you have never heard of PrepDish, it is a meal planning service where you shop once, prep once, and then you eat all week. So PrepDish does all of the hard work for you. They provide you uh, either gluten-free, paleo, or now they have keto meal plans available. You can obviously modify the recipes for your family who family members who may not be eating that way, but that way at least you know you're getting some healthy options in there. The two recipes I'm really the most excited about this week are the sweet potato frittata with red peppers and the strawberry mojito smoothie. I actually have fresh mint in my garden that I'm going to be able to use for this, so pretty excited about those. Prep Dish is offering Kindled listeners a two-week free trial. If you go to prepdish.com slash kindled, you have nothing to lose but two weeks of trying out their awesome meal options. And they also have a super fast menu meal plan that I really like because every recipe on that meal plan can be made in under 30 minutes. So be sure and check out prepdish.com slash kindled and sign up for your two-week free trial today. Now back to my conversation with Jamie. So let's talk about how you do bring in these practical things, but they have to be rooted in true transformation, which comes through the Holy Spirit, right? And we were we were chatting about this before we started recording, how um, even with Christian women, like th- we say like, you know, yeah, I need to be filled so I can pour out, but then we don't actually fill ourselves. You know, we don't actually right. go to the source. Mm-hmm. And so while like all these systems and these processes that if we don't have them in place, will end up with us breaking down Mm -hmm. the bigger, the deeper root is that we need Jesus. And the deeper root of all of those things is like when we are trying to be the source of our own solutions, Mm -hmm. when we are Mm -hmm. making ourselves and what we can do for ourselves and how I can pamper myself, when that's what my sights are set on, like I will always feel lacking. I will always Mm -hmm. feel not enough. And it, and it will always be not enough because it's just, I'm a human. I'm an imperfect human. How do you talk to women about that? And is your, I would assume you're dealing with lots of women who are not believers. So like Mm -hmm. you probably have to kind of walk that line, but like, what does that look like for you? 
So I actually don't walk that line very carefully. I'm very straightforward with my faith and what anchors me and literally what has gotten me to where I am. And I think that's why people know that when they come to me, they're going to get, I'll try to be as gentle as I can, but I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to get the truth from me. If you ask me, why are my days so messed up? And I say, well, let's look at your time. And I tell you, well, you're pissing away half your day because you're on social media. I mean, I'm going to tell you the, the, the truth straightforward. If you're going to ask me how I was able to get through those times in court and whatever, it's not going to be, I had a really good schedule. It's going to be Jesus. Like he literally kept me alive in those moments that I didn't want to wake up the next day because it was so hard to go through. Right. What I can say is that all of these strategies, these healthy habits, these simple, these easy, these sustainable strategies that I teach, these are ways that you can honor the things, the items, the people to honor what has been given to you and to steward it well. I think that the Lord has blessed us with children and blessed us with homes and blessed us with all of these opportunities for us to show thanks in that, in the way that we honor that and we steward over that. And I think that those decisions are extremely important every single day. I think motherhood and moms in general have gotten to this point where complaining about motherhood is just a very normal thing. It's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, my kids, like, oh, my kids are sick. Oh, my kids barfed all over me. Oh, this, oh, that. Let me tell you something, and I'm going to say it straight. Like, these kids didn't ask to be here. You're the reason they're here. Obviously, the Lord is ultimately. Real talk. Yeah. (laughs) We birthed these children. We chose to have these babies. Even when we didn't choose to get pregnant, like myself, we still chose to bring these babies earthside. We chose Mm -hmm. to raise them. And I think that we need to stop playing the victim to motherhood when we chose to be in this place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's number one. So we really, I really talk to women about stop playing the victim. You're not a victim in your life. There are Mm -hmm. circumstances that happen that are really freaking hard that you cannot control. And that's a fact there, there are ugly parts to life, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you are not a victim. You're not a victim to your motherhood. You're not a victim to your life. You play a part every single day. And while all of these things need to be honored, all of your decisions, all of your, whatever it is during the day, we need to honor that and steward that you need to plug yourself in to the Holy spirit and to the Lord, because there will be times where you're empty and you have nothing left to give. And a schedule, like you said, is not going to fill you up that you're going to have to just be empty and done and depleted. And you're going to have to lift up your hands and say, Lord, I have nothing left to give. It's, it's on you. Like I can't do it. You have to be plugged into that source and having a schedule, having a system, having rhythms, having habits. Those are things that are not replacing the Lord. Those are, those are things that are in line with the Lord. Our God is a God of order. He is not Mm -hmm. a God of chaos. And we've got these women who are like, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, but I can't get crap done. Well, you know what? Because you're allowing the enemy to keep you busy, to keep you from doing actual kingdom work because you're still folding underwear that you've washed and rewashed 17 times because you can't remember to put it in the dryer. Like, you know what I mean? Like these are like, I know it happens. And like it just yeah. happened the other day, like my husband forgot. But at the end of the day, we really need to think like, do you think the kids in Africa really ca- like, like how thankful would they be for a washer and a dryer and a meal? But yet we're sitting here and we're like, I have to change the laundry again. Mm-hmm. Like women need to get real. We need yeah. to wake up. You know what get I mean? A real, I tell my daughters sometimes get a real problem in your life. Like when yes. they start crying about, you know, that they didn't get the pink bowl. I'm like, no, I, I'm not hearing this. Get a real problem. Perspective. <laughs> like, I'll, yeah. I'll be interested when you actually come to me with a real issue because right. right. I'm not going to cater yeah. to ridiculousness. We allow ourselves to do that. Like you're we saying. Do. 
We do. And it's unconscious. And that's the problem is that we unconsciously walk around in survival mode and in, and with this victim mentality, and we have to wake up and we have to get out of it. We have to understand that this is the enemy breaking down our motherhood and keeping us home, miserable, depressed, anxious, alone, and isolated because we all know how much women multiply things, right? Like it's just an unknown thing. Like you give a woman flour and eggs and she makes freaking a loaf of bread, you know, like you give a woman a seed and she births a child. Like we have the power to multiply anything. And if the Lord plants a seed in us, we will multiply that and do that. But not if we're still worried about those little trivial things at home, because we just can't get our crap together. Yeah. Yeah. And those multiply, even the things that we, you know, the the things that we don't necessarily want, like the problems or when you living in a state, like you're saying this victim mentality, like I'm a victim of my life and my circumstances, instead of saying, no, like the Bible says that through Christ, you can do all things and through Christ, not on your own, but through him, you can do all things. And that means you can face this day that feels terrible. Or that means that you can be home with your kids. Like I was yesterday doing a craft that I really didn't want to do and very (laughs) unhappy about being covered in glitter and just like, why is this my life right now? I don't want to be doing this and just feeling ungrateful. But like I can through the power of Christ see rather than seeing like, all of the things that me, 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 I'm so unhappy. I don't want this. I don't want that. That I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I would, you know, all the things that can, the narrative that starts to kind of seep in and that the devil really will use to draw us away from gratitude and from God and from seeing the blessings that are right in front of us. I have through the power of the Holy spirit, the ability to say, God, show me how you see this. Stop. Mm-hmm help me to take my eyes off myself. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to see things through my eyes. I want to see right. them through yours. And right. that's where I get stuck a lot is just seeing things my way and how I perceive them mm-hmm. rather than asking, how do you see this? Like, what do you see in this situation where I'm doing a craft? I don't like doing crafts and I'm submitting in a way to what it feels like what I should be doing or what I know the girls would love to do. And how do you see that? And then like, allowing him to show me like all of the beautiful things about Mm -hmm. that and all of the ways that like, they're just blossoming. And my oldest daughter was like, this is the best day ever. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) this is like my nightmare, (laughs) you know, but yeah, yeah, I just, it's very easy. It's very easy to be consumed in our own minds and in our own thoughts. Yeah. And I think one thing that I learned recently is it's for me in my mind, it's I've mentally always been, it's either the enemy or it's of God. It's either the enemy or of God, but there's like one thing that still is like kind of in those gray areas. And it's no, no, your flesh also plays a part. Mm-hmm. Like our, the desires of yeah. our flesh yeah, play a huge role in decisions. And if we are not anchored to a true source, our flesh will always get the better of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night I was reading second Corinthians 10, four and five, for, but we do not fight with weapons of this world, we fight with, you know, with spiritual weapons. And so that's the thing that I think I often, as a believer, as someone who's going to church every week, trying to be in the word, wanting a relationship with God, wanting intimacy, I regularly forget that I have spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. I'm not fighting the spiritual battle with just weapons of flesh. Well, if I just had, you know, if I just had more childcare hours, then maybe I would feel more balanced. You know, that isn't really my problem. You know, my problem is like, you're saying like that flesh and, and that we actually do 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can battle, we can war. And while the war is already won, we still have to fight the battle. We don't get to just be like, oh, sorry, I'm just going to fall asleep at the wheel. You know, like God actually wants us to show up and battle. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. how did all of those circumstances, because you went through a lot of like actual, like I was saying, you know, bring a real problem to me. You had real problems. I mean, you had real circumstances that were probably seemed insurmountable. And how have you seen those kind of point you to the Lord? How have those not brought you down or taken you out, but caused you to, it seems really become stronger and become someone that is wanting to help other women in that spot, or maybe even not in your exact spot, but right. Facing difficulties, facing challenges, like how the, it's just the, the transformation there is, um, is not an easy one to, to yeah. take those circumstances and then turn those around. Yeah. I think that I had a lot of very, very, very difficult moments and I wouldn't be human if I didn't have those moments where I wanted to give up, where I was done, where I was defeated, where I was angry, where I was ticked off, where I was devastated. I had those moments all weaved in throughout. And the only way, the best way that I can kind of describe this or kind of the vision that I can give this to you. And I don't know how your births went, if you had C-sections or natural deliveries, but for me personally, this is like my best way of explaining it is I had a really hard birth with baby number three. I labored, I labored, I labored, I labored. My doctor was horrible. She was unkind. It was stressful. It was horrible. And every time she came in my room, I cried. I felt defeated. I wanted to give up, but I had my worship music in my ears trying to push away those thoughts of I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And it was the Lord kind of washing over me saying like, no, no, wave after wave. Like I'm here, I'm with you, like I'm here. And so for me, I, I obviously utilize that worship music to kind of push in my head when I wasn't able to think those thoughts. But when you're in labor, you want to give up. When you're in labor, you're freaking done. Your body is done. Your mind is done. You feel defeated. You are worn out and you do not feel like you can go one more minute, but you do. You Mm -hmm. go one more minute and you go one more minute and you go through another contraction and you go through another contraction and you go through another contraction because you have this end result. You know what's going to happen at the end of it, right? You, you, you just keep showing up. You just keep going through it. And then you have your baby and it's really freaking hard. But then guess what? You went through it and you did it and it's behind you. Those, there were times through all of that that I was done where I was like, I cannot have one more contraction. Like I'm done. I'm empty. I can't do this one more time but I survived it. And so now going through being in the position that I'm in, knowing what I went through and how I went through it, I'm able to now from like a bird's eye view, see what did I experience? What did I go through? What did I lack? What did I not have? And what do I wish that I would have had during those hard times? And how can I now provide that for other people? Mm -hmm. Looking back, I made very bad decisions because I was had a terrible, terrible mindset. I was not wise with my money. I was not wise with my schedule. I just, I just so many different things. So now I'm not saying I made terrible decisions because I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. Like, right. You're not allowing, you're, you're not even saying, even though you did come from a hard situation that could have people could point to and say, well, you know, cut yourself some slack. Like it's that like, right. you, I mean, I just, it's, it's really awesome that you're like, 
no, it's because of, you know, what I was, how I was believing, how I was thinking. Exactly. And I think that through years and years and years of making bad choices and going through experiences, everything, I had that victim mentality. Everything was happening to me. And I was wondering why, why is nothing changing? Why are things so bad? Why, why, why? And I always blamed it on my circumstances and I blamed it on other people. And it wasn't until I flipped it around and was like, no, I have choices every day that I can make. I can wake up and choose one way or I can wake up and choose another way. Mm -hmm. I can choose that old life that I lived in that was miserable and empty and terrible, or I can choose this new life that I know that I can live in. And so now I try to be that person. I try to be the person that I needed during those hard times to say, Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, wake up sister. Like you're not a victim to your motherhood. You're not a victim to your life. You have choices. The Lord has given you power for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. How many moms are walking around with a sound mind right now? Not many. That is not from the Lord. That is from the enemy. And so now I can speak into women and I can speak into them through all different ways. I can say like, Hey, listen, let's start with your hair and makeup, right? You feel like crap. You're depressed. You feel gross. Guess what? Just take 10 minutes a day and get yourself ready and call me in a week and tell me what, how you feel right? It's little simple decisions that you can make in your everyday. And that will snowball into something else, which will snowball into something else, which will snowball into healthier habits, a healthier mindset, better strategies to be able to actually serve your family well, and ultimately serve the Lord well. Mm -hmm. What do you find is the most common struggle for women in regards to beauty? Women in general function from a lot of guilt and a lot of lies that have been spoken over them from society, from parents, from whatever. Women in general, especially moms, do not realize how many lies that they've heard that they believe that they now anchor to themselves as truths. So one of the big things is, uh, especially with Christian women is, you know, your outward appearance doesn't matter. It's the heart that matters. It's your relationship with the Lord. While those things are ultimately, you know, those eternal things that do matter. I'm going to tell you right now, scientifically research-based, all of these different studies say completely differently. And I'll kind of go back through some other scriptures too. Your brain it functions. It's, it's the most amazing machine ever. It's mind blowing how crazy it is, but what you put on your body, your brain reacts to that. It's not the other way around. So if you're wearing workout clothes and you're wearing sweaty old, whatever your brain is essentially saying, well, I don't really need to try hard anyway, because like, she's just kind of chilling today. Whereas if you wake up, you put some jeans on, you put an actual outfit on, you put a blazer on and some little slides, which took you the same amount of effort to put that on than something else. Your brain is going to wake up and be like, Oh, it's time to get stuff done. So I think that people really discount the effectiveness of taking care and honoring your outward appearance, not being vain, not obsessing over it, not prioritizing it over everything else. Um, When you really look at it as a tool, as an effective tool to push you into a more productive, effective, awake day, it kind of takes that vanity out of it. And it takes away that selfishness out of it. And it really focuses on, again, just using it as a tool because that's exactly what it is. It's a tool to make us more effective, more productive, more confident, more happy, more joyful. I know that if I'm in sweaty workout clothes or a day old t-shirt with spit up on it and a greasy hair, I'm not going to feel very confident talking to a new neighbor. I'm going to like cover my face. I'm going to like make excuses why I look like that. Or if like a new neighbor comes to meet me and I'm in like an outfit that's actually put together and you know, I'm not going to feel like the hot mess you know, I'm going to feel a little bit more put together and speak more confidently and actually maybe go see them, engage in conversation, go do something. 
So many women are isolated and honestly, they're isolated by their own choices. And that's really hard for women to hear, but you've just, we got to make different decisions. Yeah. What do you address with someone when they come to you and they're like, yeah, I like I'm that resonates with me. I hear what you're saying. And that, that does describe me sometimes. How do you help them like overcome or what would be your strategy? Like, I don't know. How do you even approach so the, that with someone? Yes. So the biggest, the biggest and most common excuse that I get for women not taking care of themselves and not getting ready. And the people who are going through hard circumstances, they're not the ones coming after me. And so I know that I don't have to be as gentle. If you've just lost a child, if you've just lost a spouse, if you've just lost a partner, you're not looking for somebody to tell you how to do your makeup. Right. right it's right. the women who it's not because of their circumstances. It's because of their choices. And so the, the biggest reason, the basic, biggest excuse that people come to me is I just stay home. It feels like a waste to get myself ready. I don't see anybody. I don't go anywhere. I don't have a job. I don't have an online business. I'm not on Instagram like you are. It seems so pointless. And I say, first of all, stay at home moms. You're not just a stay at home mom. That's ridiculous. You go to the grocery store, you run errands, you take your kids to and from school, you see the UPS guy or the mail guy or whatever, you go to doctor's appointments, you're your children's advocate, you drive your kids around. Like there's a million things you do. So stop discounting. There's a heart mm -hmm. issue there. You don't feel valuable enough to get yourself ready because you feel like you just stay home. So you need to flip yeah. the script on your motherhood and say, if I were to pass away today and my husband had to replace me, who would he have to hire? He would have to hire a lot of people and yeah. that would cost a lot of money. And I've heard the the average cost of a stay-at-home mom is a hundred grand a year. Oh, it has to be like, way more than that. It has to be more. But yeah, it's like full yeah. full time chef, yeah. laundry, house cleaner, Everything. nanny maid, all of the things. Everything, right? Everything. And how pissed would you be if these people showed up at your house smelling like BO in clothes that they wore three days ago? You'd be mm -hmm. so ticked, right? You would never hand your baby over to a preschool teacher who didn't shower and didn't take care of herself. Like, right. that's ridiculous. Like, all of these things actually do matter. But for some reason, you feel not worthy and not valuable right. enough to do it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So number one, it's not for other people. It's not because other people are seeing you. It's because you you matter how you feel and what you do during the day. And number two, people actually do see you. So yeah. stop believing that lie that you're just a stay-at-home mom because you're not. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm sure you would agree. Like it's okay. Some days let's say, you know, the day where you're like, I'm going to do a basement clean now and mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, oh, yeah. maybe I'm wearing, of course I'm going to be wearing my workout clothes or, you know, my hair is mm -hmm. going to be in a top knot or totally. I maybe didn't put mascara on, but it, but it's not because you're not making that decision because you don't care. It's because of whatever you're doing that day. Right. Yes. So it's so, different. Yes. No, if you're like, I'm so intentionally glad. choosing yeah. this versus correct. I just don't matter. Like who yep. cares? Goes, like I feel yeah. bad about myself. It goes back to the victim mentality. So every, most Wednesdays, unless I have to leave or whatever, most Wednesdays, I don't get myself ready. I stay in my jammies. I drink coffee. I play with my babies. I take naps, right? I'm not playing the victim to my schedule mm -hmm. and to my motherhood. And that's the biggest thing here is these women who are saying like, I just stay home. I just do this. Like you're, you're, you're being a victim of your own circumstances instead of waking up and actually attacking your day or intentionally choosing what your day is going to look like, right? Like you have the choice every morning and it's different when you intentionally choose. So to choose to 
put your workout clothes on and get a big project done, right? You're not being a victim to like not getting yourself ready or not having the time. You're actually choosing what's going to work for you for that day. What's going to be most effective for you versus wake up, waking up and like the kids wake up, you know, before you, they're climbing on you. The house is a mess. You're just like, Oh, we just don't have time. You have time. You're just not using it wisely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah. Setting your intention, like it it only goes so far if you're not going to actually like do the things that will help you to actually carry carry that through and follow through. Mm -hmm. And I, it's so true. Like I would never trust if I went to drop my kids off at their preschool and the lady was, you know, looking slobby and unclean. And like, I would be like, I don't trust you. Something is weird. You know, I don't, something's going on. Something's off. Mm -hmm you expect them to come prepared to right. do the task ahead uh, in front of them. And so mm-hmm. we should do the same for ourselves. And we know that we will do better and feel better and perform better and just be in a better mindset if we do that for ourselves. Cause of course, who doesn't, that's why things like dry bar exist because mm-hmm. you feel better when your hair is blown out and looks beautiful yep. and you seem to be in a better mood. And <laughs> I'm not saying yep. you should always you attach do. your mood to beauty or no, right. Your things, but it's but just it like, has an effect on it. It, it does, does have an effect. Exactly. Yeah. And so you, you shouldn't deny that. Right. And that was the, the common theme that I realized for 14 years, I saw women come in the room before they got their hair and makeup done they weren't as quiet. They didn't talk. They didn't have confidence. I didn't change anything inside. I didn't teach them yeah. anything. I literally just did something on their outward appearance and they were confident. They sat up taller. They giggled more. They were flirtier with their husbands. Like mm-hmm. there's so many effects that we don't realize. And like, that's the other thing too. Like if mm-hmm. you're a stay at home mom, that's great. But guess what? You also have a spouse. Not that he cares whether you get ready or not, because right. my husband loves me yeah. with nothing and loves me with everything and whatever. Yeah. But you present yourself differently when you feel confident. I'm going to tell you right now, like, I'm going to be more flirty on a date night. If it's a date night at home, I'm going to be more flirty if I'm done up and I feel good than if I'm in sweatpants. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference. And you have relationships in your home. And it just makes a really big difference in how you perceive yourself and in how you present yourself. Yeah, it's all really true. I love it. Good advice. (laughs) So Jamie, I want to ask you my final three questions as a mom of four, I would imagine you have some of these, but do you have any life hacks or things that just make your life easier, whether that's something with a scheduler or an app or just a practice that you have that kind of helps you to stay on top of things? Yeah. So I am very scheduled, very regimented. Our, I say regimented, not in a really strict way, but we're just very mm-hmm. consistent with our schedule. And that's really helpful. But one thing that I do, which I shared about on my Instagram live the other day is I use the notes app on my phone mm-hmm. and I call it my five and I have bullet bulleted list of five action items. And those are my five most important things to do that day and everything else can wait. And so that helps me prioritize the things that I need to do most and not make this never ending to-do list that really can be pushed to another day. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I making priorities is essential. And yeah, I often do the thing that's the easiest first instead of the thing that's the most important. And then I'm like, well, I didn't get my big thing done. Right. (laughs) And that's like, well, that's because I chose to do the easy thing, you know, which doesn't matter. (laughs) So what do you do for fun? Um, I'm an absolute nerd and I read that is like, makes me the happiest human alive to like get a new book. I sound so not exciting. (laughs) 
but I love reading and then my family and I, we love to travel. So we love, love, love traveling and seeing new places, and yeah. eating, eating new things. Well, Dave Ramsey says readers are leaders. So <laughs> all right, okay. amen. nerdiness is actually probably helping you a lot in your business. So that's good. It is. <laughs> How do you rest? How do I rest? I rest often which sounds crazy because I have four kids in a business, but yeah. I strategically place resting points in my schedule throughout the week so that I know that they're there. So that mentally when I'm going through a hard day at work or whatever, I'm like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause tomorrow morning I'm watching Grey's Anatomy for an hour and drinking my coffee by myself or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I rest at night by watching movies together. I rest by reading. Mm-hmm. I rest by sitting outside I rest, I say rest, but I did yoga this morning and that was like the mental rest that I needed from mm-hmm. like the busyness of yeah. my days. So it looks different, but you make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Totally. Awesome. Where do people find you online, connect with you, learn more about your courses, all that? Yes. So they can go to, if they just go to my Instagram, that's probably the easiest and that's where I'm most active and you, all the links are there. So my Instagram is underscore at the Mac house underscore. And if you hit the link in profile, there's some freebies there. If anybody wants to go grab those, I have one freebie that's a self-care guide for moms. It's totally free. It's an ebook that guides them through self-care for moms, just like the basics, how to fit it in, why you should fit it in. And then I also have a freebie for any beauty junkies if they want it. And that's how to perfectly color match your foundation, which I feel like is so mm. hard for people. <laughs> that is hard, yeah. especially with changing seasons when you're yeah. like, I always am like, well, which color do I go to in the summer? I'm probably going to get a little more tan, yeah. but I don't want to look orange. Like that's always hard. Yep. I teach you how to fix that problem. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate you sharing your story and your heart for women. And it's just really cool to see you living into your like passions and what he's obviously made you to be doing. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening. I love that you're here and that you are a part of this community. I want to ask you to take the next step by leaving a rating and review on iTunes for the show. It helps so much in sharing the show with other moms who need to hear the gospel and need to hear the truth that their motherhood is not the ultimate, their work is not the ultimate, and there is grace available to them. So if you would take a second and just leave a awesome, nice review. If you want to, it could even be five stars. I mean, no pressure, but if you would do that, I would just be so appreciative. Next week, I'm going to be chatting with Lindsay Falls all about social media for the kingdom. This is a a bit of a different angle on social media than you've probably heard a podcast host that you listen to take in the past. We're not talking about how to grow your following. We're not talking about how to be more authentic or real. We are talking about how our social media can actually impact the kingdom of God. So It's a really awesome episode and conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to meet me back here next week on Monday. Side note is that for our Patreon community, they are going to start receiving episodes in advance of the regular published date. So rather than having to wait till Monday, they're going to start getting episodes delivered on Friday. So if you want to get early release content from Kindled Podcast, check out our Patreon community at patreon.com slash kindledpodcast. All right, I'll talk to you guys next week.